Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Jennifer Dukes-Lee. Jennifer is on the show today sharing a path to unhurried living by returning to the rhythm of the land and learning the ancient art of growing slow. So friend, if you are in need of a simpler way of living and need to unhurry your heart, we hope that today you embrace this relaxed rhythm of nature and discover the meaningful gift of growing slow. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. It's so fun to be here. Thanks for having me. So I smiled when I read the subtitle of your newest release, Growing Slow, because you call yourself an accidental farm girl. So already I feel like we're kindred spirits in this area because my husband just moved me to a farm this past year. And so based on my past experience, this new life is very accidental for me as well. So I'd love for you just to share your backstory with us and share why you consider your life on the farm to be accidental too. Absolutely. I love talking with another accidental farm girl. (laughs) So we're growing, we're growing corn and soybeans and pigs here. How about you? What's your farm? Well, right now I have a little greenhouse that my daughter and I have started and we've got some seedlings. So we're doing flowers and we're doing vegetables and we're doing fruits. So we're we're just talking planter boxes. I mean, when we say we're accidental, we are learning as we go my husband's researching cows I mean we're we're brand new so I mean oh, we may have to fun we may have that? to talk shop after <laughs> that is so great well that's really neat to, to hear you'll have a great metaphor for what it means to grow slow right there on your little farm I love it so my story to the farm uh, started right here in Iowa and I grew up in a little town that was a farming community but I was a town girl Still, it was, you know, we played hide and seek in the cornfield out back. And I lived in one home my entire growing up years and went to college. And I like, I'm never going back to that kind of life. I'm not going to live in a small town. I'm headed for the city. And that's how life went for me and my eventual husband. He went to Drake Law School, got his law degree I was a news reporter for the Des Moines Register and the Omaha World Herald and some other papers. And we just kind of bounced around from city to city. And um, we made a decision for a variety of reasons, one of which was we were tired of our fast paced way of living. But for a variety of reasons, we decided to move back to the farm, to his farm. So I didn't move back to my little town, but take it one step further because I was now a country girl the last place I ever wanted to be. It just did not seem like an appealing life that held any kind of promise for me at all. But here we were on this fifth generation family farm. So we were farming with his dad and his grandpa who have since both passed away. And it was land that was tended to by his great grandfather before him and his great great grandfather before him. So this farm has grown to 700 acres in all. And we go, we grow corn, soybeans, about a thousand pigs, and two beautiful humans. So I, yeah, I'm accidental in the sense that I did not think I would ever be here. And isn't that the way that God often will bring us to our neverlands, like the the place that we never said we'd be, and that can turn out to be a sort of a promised land. And that's the way it's been for me, it's, it's been a really great place to grow in marriage, to grow in faith and to grow up our children. 
So we have 30 acres, so we're not quite as big as a farm as you, but actually I was just walking. My husband has made me a path. We have about half pasture and about half wooded, and he's made me kind of a cross-country course, not to run, but just to walk with the dogs. And just this past um, weekend, I was walking and I found all these beautiful blue flowers because it's now it's spring here. And I sent my mom a picture and I said, what are these beautiful blue weeds? And she said, no, honey, those are, those are blue bells. And I said, well, they're everywhere. And she said, isn't it amazing how nature just always surprises us? And so I think for my question for you is how nature really is such a good teacher. So was it life on the farm that initiated this growing slow epiphany for you? Absolutely. You know, I found a photo uh, the other day that I put on my Facebook and Instagram, and it was the moment for me when something shifted and we had come back to the farm and a Des Moines Register photographer came and took a picture of us to go with my farewell essay to the Des Moines Register, the one that said, we're moving back to this place where I never thought we'd live. And this was like clear back in 2005. And um, the kids were little. And I remember in my mind thinking, life is, this is so different. It was like an epiphany moment for me. And at the same time, I was like, I hope I'm not doing the wrong thing because a lot of my city friends and coworkers thought we were absolutely ridiculous that they'd say things like you're throwing away your career. You have so much potential. Um, You're, you know, you, you do realize your news career is dead, but it was the moment that I needed to adopt a growing slow mindset. And I feel like we need to celebrate those first moves that that do the right thing instead of criticizing people who do the right thing for themselves. And so it was in this moment that was my growing slow epiphany, but it was over the course of seasons and watching how nature works out on the farm where it began to take root in me, where I could see that God makes seasons for a reason. And so Growing Slow, the book itself and the Bible study are both built around the concept of seasons. And we live through, in Iowa, we live through four very distinct seasons. I know not everybody does, but um, in the spring we plant seeds and we bury them deep under the ground. And sometimes it takes a while before we see any growth at all. And somewhere out there right now is planting something in life. And it's like, is anything ever gonna grow up out of this ground? And then we go through seasons of summer where uh, the fields turn lush and green and the flowers are blooming. And I think we've all had those periods of our life too, where we look out and think, wow, this growth is great. I feel really good about this. But even in summer seasons, there are times of drought, there are hail storms, there are wind storms. And I think too, that in life, we face all of those kinds of seasonal storms where everything that we're growing It feels like it's in jeopardy and we don't know if it's going to make it. And then comes harvest in the autumn. Scott takes this gigantic combine. It's a big green John Deere machine that just clips away all of the crops. And that is a moment for all of us, I think. Harvest is a great moment for a farmer, but also a great moment for any human where we are able to hold that thing in our hand, that ripened thing in our hand, whether it's an apple or an ear of corn or an idea or a business, or you've moved something forward in a relationship and you can take some moment, a moment to celebrate the harvest. And so those are three very distinct seasons that have often a lot of joy that comes with them, but then comes winter 
the dark, dreary cold of winter. And here in Iowa, one fourth of a whole growing season is winter when there is nothing seemingly to do, when it looks like nothing is growing. And I think um, that's where a lot of us also live in life. There are times when we go through long winter seasons of life where it seems like nothing is growing. And our culture says to us that we ought to be constantly in a cycle of plant, grow, harvest, plant, grow, harvest. And a lot of us don't winter very well. But winter has its own purposes. Even on a farm, uh, the snow actually contains nitrogen. So it comes down on the ground and it's called poor man's fertilizer around here. So even the snow is helping the ground. Underneath the soil are little microbes and little animals moving around. It's very much alive, even though it looks dead and dreary. And so it becomes a metaphor for me that God is growing different kinds of things in me and through me in the winter seasons of life. And then around comes spring again, and we go through these cycles. And so as a farm wife, it's taught me to appreciate seasons outside, but also to really examine what those seasons mean in my own life, and that I can appreciate each one for what it is. And I love just how God designed all of those on purpose because he knew we would need them all, right? For complete right. growth. Well, you, you say that you were once at your breaking point. So I'd love for you to tell us about this rude awakening, as you call it, that <laughs> yeah. you experienced as a result of a lifestyle that you had that was characterized by running hard, scaling fast, and the never ending chase for That's results. Right. So those are some words on what's called the back cover copy of my book. <laughs> yes. And I kind of laugh because it says um, that she, Jennifer was once at breaking point. And I think I <laughs> feel like I should go back and say for the thousandth time, she found herself at breaking point because <laughs> that's just the reality. But I feel like I've lived my life constantly at breaking point and then moving back and slowing it all down. The book that I really probably could have written is Growing Fast, like how to go bigger, go home and meet your goals in 30 days and all those kinds of things. That was the book I probably could have more naturally written based on the way that my personality is and I'm an Enneagram three, but this is the book that I actually needed. And it's the book that really changed things for me to be able to let go of that growing fast life and adopt and embrace really a growing slow life, which has been transformational. I had, um, what might be called, well, what is called a hurried heart. I was suffering from hurry sickness and that's an actual real trauma to the body. Um, it's characterized by like, for me, a lot of digestive problems and sleep problems. My mind would start racing before my feet even hit the floor. And it didn't matter how many things were on my calendar because it wasn't about how clear my calendar was or how many things I said yes or no to. It was about the state of my heart and the, my satisfaction with the pace of my growth in life. And um, I always kind of had this feeling that, that I was falling behind and I needed to hurry up and reach some new milestone. And so it created all kinds of physical problems for me went to the doctor a few years ago and like, you got to figure out what's wrong with all these aches and pains. And am I just getting old? I mean, what, what is all this? You got to give me a pill, pill just to fix this. And they took every kind of test and I, it all came back negative. And he's, he told me I had a hurried heart. 
that I was in a hurry and that I was stressed out. And I'm like, I'm not stressed out. I know stressed out people and I'm not one of them, <laughs> but it turns out that I was. And so I had to make a complete mind mindset shift into this growing slow way. And the land at that point was teaching me what it is to live growing slow. And I thought if God made the land that way, maybe he made me that way too. And could I adopt the rhythms that he's created in nature into my own life to set patterns that are healthy. And it made such a difference. Well, so since you have stopped running and started resting in Jesus, tell us about more about the relief and freedom that you have experienced as a result. Absolutely. I think that one of the things that really suffers with a hurried, somebody who has hurry sickness or a hurried heart is relationships, because you can't hurry and connect with people at the same time. If I'm constantly telling my kids, hurry up, let's go, let's go, let's go. And if I'm myself in a hurry to answer an email or um, run back into my office or do something like that, I'm not really connecting with my kids. I'm not really looking at them in the eye. If I'm feeling like I've got uh, too many things to do, um, I can't take time for a dinner date with my husband or with a group of friends. I can't, I can't hurry and connect at the same time. So what I've really seen through an unhurried approach is richer, deeper, more meaningful relationships that um, take time to grow. I mean, it takes time to grow good things. It takes time to grow good relationships. And so that's where I really see a big, big change is, is with my relationships, but also my relationship with God and my relationship with myself, giving myself permission to take it easy and, and to, to grow slow and to go slow and not to rush through my tasks, not to feel like I have to multitask or check my phone all the time. So it creates an unhurried pace where I feel, um, I feel more rested. I feel more at peace and at ease with my life. And uh, they're just little things that I do every day and little things that I don't do every day that helped me to put this mindset into place. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about Jesus had so much to accomplish in his life, but mm -hmm. he, we see him in an unhurried pace, seemingly the way I read the Bible. Um, it, and it doesn't talk about how the pace of his heart necessarily, but we see him connecting with people instead of, okay, I've got to get to this place quickly. So I don't know, that just came to mind as you were talking about, he even um, probably had this mindset as well. But I think for whatever reason, you know, if we were to ask each of the women listening today, if they felt like they were under a lot of pressure, I think the majority of them would answer with a resounding yes. Absolutely. So this is a little bit of a loaded question, but why do you think that we feel this way? What do you think the root is? And how, I guess, how do, better yet, how do we let go? So I think that this is rooted, and I say root, and you say root, I know, oh. <laughs> it's an Iowa way, so Kentucky. I apologize I know, to your yeah, listeners, I, I tried to correct it when I said it earlier, but I, I just never get yeah, it, right. we are I'm just going to say roots. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's rooted in um, milestones that, I have no idea who set these milestones, they're not milestones that are based in reality, but they're ones that we buy into, and it creates a hurried heart, so um, that's why it's hard to let go. Let me give you a few examples. You're a 17 year old girl in high school and you feel pressure to know where you're going to go to college or what you're going to do with your life at age 30 when you're still a kid. And I think that 
anybody that's listening right now is probably laughing, thinking, yeah, I've been there, but now I'm 30 or I'm 40 or I'm 50 and I'm not doing even anything remotely close to what I thought that I was going to do. But we put that pressure on and it creates a hurried heart. I was just talking with a teenage girl and praying over her last night, not my own, but a friend of my daughter's. And she's worried about missing out on her purpose and not really figuring out what God's plan is for her life. Well, there is this pressure to have all that figured out right now. And it creates a hurried heart. And you look around and you think everything, everybody else has got this all figured out. So let's say you do get to college, you, you figure out what your major is, and maybe you've changed it a couple of times. You've come to peace with all of that. But then there's this new pressure. And that is, oh, I've got to find my spouse before all the quote, good ones are taken. <laughs> and then if you do get married, you're supposed to have kids by a certain time. And then you're supposed to have, an, uh, you know, 3,000 square foot home by a certain time and a three car garage by a certain time and a lake home by a certain time and advancing in your career. Like it never ends. There's just always some new milestone that you're always reaching and stretching for. And that creates a lack of peace and it creates a deep sense of rushing because we're always trying to leap toward the next milestone without really enjoying the moment that we're in. Yeah, it's like the moving target. It just keeps moving. Well, you know, I I did find it interesting that last year with COVID, so much really did slow down for us, at least physically. But I wonder if it's safe to assume that our hearts and minds didn't feel any less hurried. I know that mine didn't. So was that true for you too? Absolutely. It was so interesting because, pardon me, Um, it was so interesting because I wrote the last few chapters of Growing Slow in in an enforced period of slowness. I mean, here we were in an enforced slowness and our calendars were whited out. We had nothing on our agendas. um, And it suddenly looked like we had this wide open space and time to do things that we'd missed out on, whether it be dinners or puzzles or Zoom call, teaching grandma how to do a Zoom call or trying to bake bread or do new things, taking walks. And I think that all the, all those things did, in fact, happen for many of us. I look back on my Facebook memories now and I see a p- picture of me doing a puzzle. I mean, I, I'm not even a puzzling person, but I actually had time to do it. But it did not take long for us to get unsettled in our spirits about that whole thing um, because we saw that time was slipping away. And uh, we still had, in some cases, we had more to do, especially if you had kids at home that you were trying to teach Um, it just wore on and on and on. Or if you were a nurse or a doctor and you were working extra hours, I mean, there are many people that right now deserve a medal for all that went on in the past year. Mm -hmm. But what happened is uh, now I, you know, I'll talk to women in their twenties and they're like, I missed a whole year of dating and now I got to hustle and move. Um, People were trying to launch books. Some of my author friends were trying to launch books during that time and nobody cared about some of these messages because we were all we cared about was like what's going to happen next with this pandemic and feeling like well now my now my writing career is dead nobody's buying my book and i mean again and again there were just all these different uh circumstances um i have my wedding planned and i can't i don't know what to do i can't uh plan my wedding and do i postpone it or do i have a wedding with 10 people that can come to it uh just hurry in every sense of the way. And 
when, when our calendars were stripped away of everything, it gave us an opportunity to take a look at ourselves and our coping mechanisms, which can be both a very good thing and a very uncomfortable thing. And it was hard for me to see how I soothe the uh, difficult places in my life with productivity. And when I couldn't be productive in the same ways that I ordinarily was, um, I could see how big of a problem that productivity and achievement is and how I use that as a coping mechanism. So I think, yeah, with all of that stripped away, we began to see ourselves for who we really were. But I think that's a good thing now. I really do. I think that as we get back to something that feels a little bit more normal, we have to think of how much more, quote, normal we want back. What, do, what did we learn in that period of time? What did we learn about ourselves and about our coping mechanisms that we can set aside before we rush back into a more normal way of living? What do we want to retain from that time? And what do we want to discard? You just diagnosed me, Jennifer, <laughs> this productivity performance mindset. I never thought that that's kind of how I'm coping, but um, I believe that that's true of me. And, and something that I think that we have believed falsely is that bigger and faster seems to be better. So how do you think that we learn to embrace the small good things that are already bearing fruit in our lives? So a lot of growth, the very best growth and the things that we're growing take the longest to grow. And that's how we appreciate the, the small things. So I know that not everybody listening to this is a mom or a dad, but for me, it looks like this. When the kids were you know, two and four years old, I was growing small things and there was small progress and I couldn't really see past the you know, diaper changes and scooping applesauce onto Dora plates and having them sit in front of baby Einstein and rocking them to sleep, just another five more minutes, mommy, please, another five more minutes. Like all of those things seemed like, um, where is this getting me? What am I really growing? Um, especially even then, you know, there are milestones that young moms feel they have to reach. Like, when did your kids start walking? Um, you know, your kid's on a soccer team at five, age five and <laughs> needs to be a star at that age. Or when did your kid learn how to read? And so there's all these milestones there that create a hurried heart. But when we begin to embrace the idea of slow growth and remember that it takes time to grow <clears throat> good things and it also takes time to grow good people, um, I can only see now in reverse what I couldn't see in real time. <clears throat> So now I have two teenage daughters and I see how all of that time together has forged a relationship with my daughters that um, gives me a lot of access to their heart and their hurts. And I can see how little moments of taking time to pray with them every night, uh, how it's developed a heart of love for the Lord in them that is developing and growing in beautiful ways how all of these little things added together have created them into the people they are becoming. But not only that, how it created me into a per the person that God was having me to be, that even as I was parenting our girls, God was parenting me and building into me things that I needed for deep-rooted growth, things like patience and perseverance and endurance and courage for hard things. And that's strengthened me in my spirit in ways that I couldn't have experienced if I tried to rush things along. And so I think 
um, taking time every day to remember and reflect upon the good growth that is growing not only through us, but in us. I think oftentimes we are quick to look around and measure outputs. Um, how, good, how good of a job am I doing as a mom or in my Etsy business or in my career as a writer or a podcaster or whatever it is. Looking at all of that and looking at number of downloads or number of sales, whatever your thing is, we're measuring outputs. But what if we began to see ourselves as it says in Corinthians, that to remember that we are God's field. It says that right in the Bible, that you are God's field. And that even as we are planting things, seeds into the fields that we care about, God is planting seeds into us. He is farming good crops in us and not just through us. And I think to open ourselves up to that planting and see our lives as something that is beyond outputs and to know that we are not called to grow fast. If we grow fast, we don't put down good roots. Um, and if we don't put down those good roots, we can't withstand the storms of life. I know it on the farm because um, during uh, very windy times, our corn plants, you'll wake up one morning and they'll be pretty bent over sort of at an angle. And you'll look out and think there is no way that we're gonna get any kind of yield off of that corn plant. But God has made it so those corn plants grow deep roots over time. And that's what helps those plants withstand the storms. And those deep rooted areas of growth in our life will also be what help us withstand the storms of our lives. I think one of the things that gets in our way and exasperates the struggle is is comparison, especially mm -hmm. when we see people and it appears <laughs> that they are growing fast. So has comparing speed and growth with others been a struggle for you? And then how do we move past that? Absolutely. So it's so funny because here in rural Iowa, after the corn or beans get planted, you'll often see farmers in their pickup trucks and they've got their seed corn caps on and one hand on the wheel and they're driving around, kind of looking to the left and looking to the right on these little country roads. And what they're doing there is looking at other people's crops and seeing how they're growing. And we do that in our lives all the time. And yes, you asked if I suffer from comparison. Absolutely, I do. I remember when I started out as a blogger in 2009, and I started with zero followers and I thought I am never gonna get to the point where I can publish a book and I really wanted to, but it's not possible to publish a book unless you can show a publisher that you have an audience that already cares about what you're writing about. And it was so very clear that I didn't have an audience that cared what I was writing about, <laughs> that I had to start at zero and that zero became a one and that one became a five, became a 10 and all those sorts of things. And we all start at zero. And um, that's where I was, was on, on zero. But when even when I was at 20 and 50 and 100 and 1,000, I'd look around and I could see other people living my dream that were getting book contracts that had you know 100,000 followers on Facebook. And you look at that and you think, okay, well, why is that working for them? And why isn't it working for me? Clearly, I'm doing something wrong. And that just kills your creativity. It kills your purpose. You start doing things for the wrong reasons and 
then it really is hard to move forward if you're become a numbers game person, um, whether that's in publishing or business or anything else, it, it can consume you and you just can end up feeling like you'll never be enough and that you'll never accomplish whatever dream you've set out to achieve. And, and you referred to this article and it's one of my favorites that you've written because it really resonated with me and it, and it was titled, We All Start at Zero. Yes. So speak to the woman <laughs> like me who feels like she's at the beginning and that the end result or her dream in her heart feels too far away and too lofty. How would Absolutely. you encourage her today? Oh, you know, that is such a great question. And I wrote that on my email and it got such a great response that actually just uh, just recently, I actually put it on my Facebook and Instagram too. So if you look on my Instagram or Facebook uh, listeners, you can find it there. Just kind of scroll down till you find a post that says we all start at zero. But here's the deal. Now that I have made my way in publishing and I've four books in and two Bible studies, um, I often hear people say, well, good for you, Jennifer, but that's never going to happen for me because I don't have very many followers. And I, I just want to say to everybody, and I do say to the people like that, I started at zero too. We all start at zero. Like any success that you see out in the world, and no matter what, what it's in, there's a lot of generally a lot of work sitting behind that. Even like an American Idol or the voice like overnight success kind of a person, which overnight success is a whole nother story that those people are, that's completely overrated. There's really hardly any such thing as overnight success. But even behind the people who look like an overnight success, they didn't just pick up a microphone the day before they went to American Idol and you know start singing. They probably had taken years of voice lessons, had been performing you know little gigs here and there or whatever. And I think that we look at the end product and don't see the messy beginnings and the messy middles that got, got these people to where they are. And I think if we pause and even take a little bit of time to see how far we've come, you know, I, I can be a forward looking person, like, how am I going to get to 50,000 Facebook followers? Um, and, re and forget that it wasn't that long ago that I was at 5,000 and it's, you know, it, it's just a lack of being able to appreciate and celebrate the growth that we've had. And I think if we put built-in pauses into our days and seasons and weeks to just really ponder and reflect the growth that God has built in us. And, and again, not just so that we can achieve some big thing or some big milestone. Um, it's not just the growth outputs. I really wanna emphasize that because it is possible that that big dream that you have you know, publishing a book or launching a ministry, it is possible that it won't move forward. Um, but not to even discount that as having been a worthless or unpurpose filled time in your life, that even then God is growing something in us. Yeah. It reminds me, and I'm trying to think exactly where it is biblically, but the, was it Paul, planted the seed and Apollos watered it and God made it grow. That's and, exactly right. And a friend of mine, she challenged me. She said, are you okay with just being, I shouldn't even say just, are you okay with being the one that plants the seed, but maybe you're not the one that sees the harvest. Oh, boy, and that was really challenging to me. And it's like, God help me to be okay with being the one to plant the seed. And I'm going to leave the harvest to you. Um, and so, and not to judge other people's 
springs with my winter season that we're all kind of, we're not all in the same season at the exact same time, right? That is such a good word. Yes. Um, so you've actually, you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier about these rhythms of the natural growing season. So what are these rhythms you are referring to and how can we kind of stay in step with God's rhythms? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I think it is understanding that um, really like the, like what you said um, is that we are made for spring seasons in life of growth, seasons of life, of harvest seasons and that we are also made um, for the rhythms built into winter when we slow it all down and um, where this is our time, maybe not to be in the spotlight. And that can be a hard word to hear that it's somebody else's turn. And it can feel very dark and dreary during those times, but God is healing us. So these are moments of healing, which is a really important rhythm of uh, the growing slow way. I talk about this in the book and in the Bible study and also in the Bible study videos. I have some really cool footage of this, but um, when I was a kid, we had to go out into the fields right after winter and go pick up rocks because rocks emerged through the frost thaw cycle of earth. And we had to get the rocks out of the fields because if you leave them in there, they can really damage the farm equipment. And you would think that, okay, well, we did that one year. You don't have to go back and do it again. But you have to go and repeat that act of picking rock every single year. And I think it's funny, as a side note, that we call it picking rock because there's not just one. Right. <laughs> there's many. Plural. It's, it's like you go out and pick <laughs> yeah. rock. I don't know. Anyway, so you go out and pick rock, and then you do it the next year and the year after that and the year after that. And this is uh, what my husband calls winter healing the land, getting that stuff out. What if we allowed that winter rhythm to bring healing in us? What if we allowed winter seasons of life to sort of unearth the rock burdens that we carry within us? And then what if as they sit at the surface, we allowed God to pick rock and to take them out and that we would name the burdens that hurt us? Because if we leave those rocks in, it's going to damage our equipment come spring. It's going to reduce the harvest. We're not going to see that lush, beautiful growth that we hope for because we have fields just full of rocks. And so in the Bible study, uh, one of the things that I have that I've done is I built a wall in our barn and I painted it black and I have been receiving paper rocks from women and they, they send their burden to me to PO box 327 in Inwood, Iowa, and they send me their rocks and I pray over these burdens. I staple gun them to the wall and I paint over them with white paint. And it can seem like a small thing to like write something on a rock and send it to some random accidental farm girl in Iowa. But I think there's power in naming what hurts. There's power in joining together in prayer, even across the miles, even if you don't actually really know me in real life, to know that we care enough about each other to pray for one another. And so I'm really inviting people into this rhythm of healing in winter seasons to take the time you need to let those rocks come up and to name them. And it could be some kind of 
you know, I want approval from other people or I'm not satisfied with my growth. I'm lonely. I'm bitter. I can't forgive somebody. Um, it could be something deeper, something very traumatic from, from uh, a childhood, which then of course takes even more work than sending a rock to me. You know, there may, this may be the moment where you decide I really need to get help for that. I've never really tended to that rock in my field. So maybe you send me a rock, but you also at the, that same day decide to finally call the counselor that you've been meaning to call all these years. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I knew that I needed to create a space, a real space in real time on our real farm to give people a place to send their burdens. And I wanted to, to help you carry those burdens to Jesus. Mm, uh, I love every ounce of that. That's such a great metaphor. And I will include your um, mailing address in the show notes as well. So ladies can do that. So for the, the woman that is listening, who has just been, she's been nodding her head in agreement throughout this entire conversation, but is wondering, okay, Jennifer, how do I put this into practice? So what practical ways have you identified to unhurry your heart and mind every day? How do we do this? All right. So I could give you a bunch of little ones, but I'm going to give you the core one that helps with the mindset shift. All right. And so this is something that I had a daily practice that I didn't even know was a practice, but I built it into the growing slow book and it's built around three R's remember, reflect and return. And if you go on my Instagram, you'll see that I do this really regularly now in a public way. And I've given you some tools to be able to do that yourself. But when you remember something, you take time to ask yourself questions like, what did God uh, teach me this week? What wisdom did I take to heart? What am I learning? And maybe that's something that you read in the Bible. Maybe it's um, a wise word from a friend who texted you. Maybe it's something grandma told you 10 years ago that just came to mind. Maybe it's that picture that you snapped of your you know, daughter swinging on the swing set. I don't know what it is, but taking a moment to remember, and then you reflect on that. Like, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me about that particular remembrance? Why does that matter in my life? And see all of these things already that they just cause you to slow down and zero in on what matters most. And so then after you remember and you reflect, you return to the land that is your life, like a good old farmer, <laughs> like an accidental <laughs> farm girl, you return to the land that is your life. And you think, how am I going to apply this principle in the week ahead? What am I learning that's valuable for today and tomorrow and for the seasons ahead? And then you write that down or put it in your notes app, or I've got a uh, growth tracker and journal for a whole year that you can download at growingslowbook.com. If you pre-order the book, you can get that um, for free. And so I help you do that to remember, reflect, and return. And it has a way of just slowing it all down and helping you um, prepare your heart to open your field to better planting in the week ahead. So Jennifer, at every podcast, I ask my, um, my guest who or how we can be love offerings. And so based on this growing slow message, you kind of mentioned that it, when we grow slow and we slow down, there's more connection with our people. So I'd love to hear from you how you would encourage listeners to be a love offering. Oh, that is such a good question. And what a great name for Thank a podcast. You. Thank you. It's so neat. I think, you know, one is to encourage the slow growth in the people around us. Just like we struggle with feeling like we have to get next level on everything, 
I think to encourage and validate the good small things that are growing in the lives of our loved ones, whether that be, you know, our parents who are maybe entering into a, a different stage of life where, uh, you know, I know when my parents retired, it was difficult for my dad because he wasn't as productive as he once was and he didn't have that sense of achievement, but validating the good small things and the big things that he grew and the good small things that he's growing even now in his 80s. And I think to validate the good small things that are growing in my children, you know, if even if they come home with a report card that isn't exactly what they had hoped for or what we had hoped for, to validate other areas and to call out the goodness that we're seeing that's growing in the lives of those we love. And really just to see things big picture and try to zoom out the lens and see that God is, is growing good things through not only our successors, our successes, but quite often those things that feel like failures. And um, that just takes time. That takes time. It takes time to grow good things and good relationships. It takes time to be uh, slow yourself down and be a love offering because, you know, this world is calling us to offer our wit, to offer our intelligence, to offer our strength, to offer our brawn. Like all of those things are supposed to be our offering to this world. But what if we flipped the script and said, no, we are called to be a love offering above all. Yeah. And it reminds me of how God says to bear fruit that will last and that's love. So uh, uh, just bringing together our two, the love offering and the growing slow. I I love the thought of that. So thank you. Nobody has ever mentioned um, that as a love offering yet. So thank you so much for that. So Jennifer, you have some other terrific books, like It's All Under Control, The Happiness Dare, and The Love Idol. So how can we find these resources and stay connected with you? Um, How can we best do that? Absolutely. So all of those books are sold anywhere books are sold. Um, You can find out more at jenniferdukeslee.com. And then specific to Growing Slow, I have a website set up just for that at growingslowbook.com. Okay, well, thank you so much for being my guest and for helping us to enter a simpler way of living by unhurrying our hearts, embracing the relaxed rhythms of nature, and discovering the meaningful gift of growing slow. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Jennifer Dukes-Lee. We hope that after today's episode, you are more comfortable with this idea of growing slow and that you can encourage the people in your life to do the same. So that's what this week's love offering is, is to encourage the slow growth in the people around us for so that we can all live a little bit with less unhurried hearts. Jennifer says that we should call out the goodness in them, that God is growing something beautiful out of our successes and also out of those things that feel like failure. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also now find me over on Pinterest just by searching for the love offering with Rachel Adams. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the love offering podcast, I'd so appreciate if you would take the time to do that. So more women can find this love offering message. I would also love to connect with you over on the love offering Facebook community page there. Each week, we just dive in deeper to the podcast episodes the blog series that releases every Thursday. And we just encourage each other to live faithfully and love fully. 
You can also have all this information sent directly to your inbox each week by going to rachelkadams.com and just subscribing to receive my weekly love offering newsletter. Next week, my guest is Jeannie Cunyon. Jeannie is the author of a lot of books, but her recent release, latest release, is Don't Miss Out, which is all about daring to believe life is better with the Holy Spirit. I can't wait to talk with you then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week, and as always, remember to lead with love. Thank you.